In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. In today's Gospel reading, we, um, we read from the chapter, um, chapter 9 of the Gospel of St. Luke on the feeding of the multitude. And I want to put some context around this miracle, because just before the miracle occurred, um, we read that St. Luke saying, Now Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done by him, and he was perplexed. Because it was said by some that John had risen from the dead, and by some that and by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the old prophets had risen again. Herod said, John, I have beheaded, but who is this of whom I hear such things? So he sought to see him. So among many people, there were at times, and even with the disciples, there was this search for who is Jesus? What is his identity? And it wasn't something that Jesus was trying to make complicated or to conceal, because after the miracle, we see how much Jesus himself wanted others to identify him as he, uh, as he manifested himself. We read after the Gospel reading, And it happened as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him. And he asked them, saying, Who do the crowd say that I am? So they answered and said, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah, and others say that one, that one of the old prophets has risen again. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. So Jesus is seeking to be accepted by his creation, just as in the, gospel, in, in the first chapter of St. John's Gospel, we read, he came to his own and his own did not receive him. How many of us wish to be accepted? To be accepted by our, our children, to be accepted by our parents, by our friends, by our coworkers. How many of us ask others, what do they say about me? You know, or what do you think of me? We want to be accepted. And just as Jesus did in the feeding of the multitudes, we try to offer gestures of goodness in order to be received and to be accepted. But Satan has a goal, which is to distort acceptance. And for me to feel that God cannot accept me, or for me to not even want to accept God, or that I accept other things to be much greater than uh, my acceptance of God. And so he wants us to, to oppose any unity with God. To accept justice, then to accept love. To accept feelings, then to accept truth. To accept failure, then to accept renewal. To accept our passions, then to accept holiness. And despite the truth, and we heard this even in the, in the epistles today, right? The first in the epistle that St. Paul wrote, he spoke about our, our, that we don't have contentment. Right? That, that everything, that we're constantly following our passions because we're not content. And in the epistle, I think, of St. James, we read about how the, the small rudder of the boat can, of the, the small rudder can move an entire ship, right? It's like how great the little things that we don't realize can, can completely move our minds and our hearts towards anything that isn't towards, towards Christ. And so this is the, the distorted view that Satan seeks to, uh, to bring to our hearts. 
But Jesus, he didn't use the acceptance of people as a measure of his identity. And so when people doubted Jesus, Jesus didn't think to himself, maybe, what if my mission really should be more focused on establishing a kingdom here because it's easier for the people and um, I can kind of slowly, you know, introduce them to the heavenly kingdom. This wasn't even an option for Christ. He was secure in his identity and didn't shy away from expressing how important it is for us to abide in his identity. To the point where he gives us very, uh, very bold uh, words, like in, uh, the, in chapter 12 of the Gospel of Luke, he says, Also I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man will also confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. He's saying whoever takes on my identity will be received in the kingdom of heaven because we will appear in the same image as, as him because that is how we were created. And whoever does not take on my identity, they will be a stranger to my kingdom. We might change our, our looks, our vocations, our materials, our morals, our faith, all for the sake of being accepted by others. Again, it's the... the the lack of being content in our lives. But in doing so, we're constantly having to change. We're constantly having to change in order to accommodate all of the new trends or a change in paths in order to sustain that life. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't take care of ourselves or that I shouldn't make myself presentable or to have like career ambitions or to enjoy you know, certain material things, but it's about why and how much am I willing to go to attain these things? Is it to chase after a temple, temporal identity? Or do I still have security in my identity in Christ? So we have to ask ourselves, what affects our desire to prioritize God's acceptance? What makes it hard for us to say that, that in everything that I do, that Christ is the first and foremost person that I think about, and it is value? Whatever I value the most is who or what I will seek acceptance from before anything or anyone else. I was reading recently from, uh, from, the, from the book of, of Samuel, and I was reading Hannah's prayer to God. And Hannah is Samuel's mother, and she was barren for some time, as we, as we know. And God finally granted her Samuel and other children as well. And... In her prayer, which is a very beautiful prayer, she says, she says to God saying, The Lord is holy. Let not the man of learning boast in his understanding, nor let the man of might boast in his might, nor let the man of riches boast in his riches. Only let the one who boasts boast in this, to understand and to know the Lord, and to do justice and righteousness in the midst of the earth. So Hannah is showing us that we have many identities in our lives. We have our jobs, we have our status, we have our services, we have our talents. And those, and those things we seek their acceptance because they're right here. Many of them are tangible and we recognize them, recognize them as clear aspects of our lives. But she says, Lord, we have all of these small identities, but we should focus on accepting more. We should, we should not accept, focus on anything 
other than accepting you more than anything else because you are the most valuable part of my life. And it's not out of our own abilities, but it is by His. He gave Himself up unto death for our sake. And just as St. John, He says, we love Him because He loved us first. So it's not, that, it's not within our power to love when we, haven't, when we haven't experienced that love. And so we accept Him because He accepted us first. If God is valuable to me, then I will invest my life into Him. If popularity is the most valuable thing, then I will probably compromise all boundaries in order to achieve that. And as we know, that's sort of been happening, happening now, is that, you know, especially when you see on social media, boundaries have sort of begun to disappear. And it's, it's all because of seeking acceptance from others. And so... What, what used to be private matters is now open to all. When we accept the passions around us that we are constantly having to change in order to adapt to those things, with God we're constantly moving towards the same essence, the same goodness. Why do we sometimes not value God more than the things that are around us? First is that we have questions for God and they won't be answered. Sometimes in our own relationships, right? One of the things that one of the things that we that we sort of has have as a criteria, in, as a part of our relationships, is transparency, right? We all like transparency. But really, transparency is not something that's always given, right? I mean, it's it's not like, for example, if you have a loved one, you know, like a a sister or or a brother. And they're married, right? You, you love them, but you, you, you don't know everything about their marriage. You don't know everything that's happening in their household. You know, not, isn't necessarily, it's not necessarily our right. But I can still love the person. And I can accept that, yeah, I don't know everything about them. But I still love them. And in the same way, we have questions for God and they're not going to be answered. Why do bad things happen to good people? There are people who are non-believers and yet they're good people. There are people dying who shouldn't be dying. There's evil in the world, and God, you're not stopping it. We have many of these questions, and they're not answered. And so sometimes the lack of, the lack of knowledge in this aspect compromises sometimes how we see God and how, we, how much we value Him, because we do put a lot of value in transparency. But there is a wisdom in God that we may not have the answer until the day that we depart. The second is that we don't, have, we don't like the idea of having our freedom restricted. And so God is asking us to trust Him, and in doing so it means to deny certain ways of thinking, or to deny certain lifestyles in order to enjoy freedom in God. And there's a great deception in the world regarding freedom, because there is no such thing as freedom. You know, there is no such thing as freedom. Um, spouses don't have freedom. It's not a negative thing. It's a choice. It's a choice that I make that I restrict whatever freedom I may have, I restrict it because of being, of being faithful to my spouse. Parents don't have freedom. There's no more hanging out with your friends at any place at any time. You know, maybe we used to think about, you know, the road trips that we want to go on and, you know, thinking, 
you know, about all the fun stuff. And now, you know, after having children, we're thinking about like, okay, which membership should we have, like the zoo or the aquarium? These are the things that we're now thinking about because we're not, we don't really have freedom, but it's, it's by choice. It's not because we're forced. And so we, sh we, we share in the joy of, for example, our children as part of giving up our freedom. But it has nothing to do, um, it has nothing to do with how the world takes on freedom. The world takes on freedom, the meaning for the world to, t to have freedom is to be careless, you know, to have less care for things. But God's take on freedom is to be careful, not necessarily in a, caution, in a cautiousness, way of cautiousness, but to be full of care in our path in life. And of course, believe me, before uh, all of you, this is, this is a need for me. And so the feeding of the multitudes is again a symbol of abundance, a symbol of God's yearning to reveal himself to us that we may accept him as our identity and to accept his will for us. Number two, it was to combat Satan's desire to distort the greatest connection to God, which is acceptance. And three, it was a reminder to us to value him just as he values us. To him be the glory both now and ever, none through the ages of all ages. Amen.